Welcome to Tits Up. When things go tits up, they're broken. Tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck. This episode of Tits Up is sponsored by Kiara. Q-I-A-R-A. Could you imagine actually listening to hormonal women all day? I was like, I do not want to do that. Truly, I was seeing women presenting with problems that nobody had answers then that caused an influx when it came to fertility because women were wanting answers and weren't getting them. And so we were seeing all sorts of symptoms, you know, whether it was fertility challenges or ovulation pain or PMS symptoms. or, And so we started treating it. Symptoms that show up in our teen and early 20s really are clues and if we can utilize those then we're not going to have those fertility challenges down the line is that the reason that they're having fertility challenges wasn't addressed when they first had symptoms it was addressed when they were ready to have babies prevention is really not um you know it's not it's not kind of sexy is it we're very much being told as women we can have our cake and eat it too and yeah we can but something gives and usually it's our fertility well i've been diagnosed with perimenopause and i said That's not a diagnosis. It's like saying I've been diagnosed with puberty. Our Tits Up guest today is Nat Kringunis. Nat's a two-times best-selling author, two-times podcast host, and all-round women's health and natural fertility practitioner. She founded Melbourne's Home of Natural Health, her clinic, The Pagoda Tree, where she's helped over 20,000 women rescue their hormones and reclaim their best life. Nat's also created a range of products, including No Nuts, and loves to come up with unique ways of helping you live healthier and healthier. You may even know her from her old online TV series, Health Talks. What does she really do? Nat makes women's hormones happier than a Pharrell Williams song. If you feel like there has to be another way, there is. She's here to provide you with another option. Nat believes there isn't just one way to health. Nat's mission is to educate and empower women just like you so you can get clued up on your body and take control of your hormone health. She's here to help you ditch the stress, the confusion and the endless disappointment and give your body the love and attention it deserves. Nat holds a Bachelor of Health Sciences Traditional Chinese Medicine and an Advanced Diploma in Acupuncture combined with 16 years clinical experience, just in case you were wondering. Welcome, Nat. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like you found an old bio and I feel like it just goes on oh, and on and on. Did I? <laughs> so fine. It's, I mean, it's it's all the things. It just sounds like a lot of things, but I, I'm so happy. It's all good. It's all good. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's such a pleasure to be on your podcast. Oh, it's so good to have you because you've got so much to share with women that we aren't getting this information. You know, we're What inspired you to be so passionate about fertility and our hormones? You know, was there a was there a tits up moment for you? Yeah, there was. It was. Well, (laughs) I I definitely made a very bold and loud statement to the four people that were watching at the time um, that I was never treating women's health because can you imagine actually listening to hormonal women all day? I was like, I do not (laughs) want to do that. Like, why would I put myself in that position? But this is, you know, I've, I've been in clinic for eighteen years now, nearly twenty years. Um, and truly I was seeing women presenting with problems that nobody had answers for. They were going to their doctors. There was nothing actually wrong with them, but they didn't feel good. 
And I had an awareness that it was their health, their, their hormone health, but I didn't really know in all of my years of study, I didn't really learn what I was seeing. And we know this, you know, you get thrown into clinical practice and that's really where the learning starts. But anyway, long story short, uh, eventually I said yes to some of these women and we started to get outstanding results. And then that caused an influx when it came to fertility because women were wanting answers and weren't getting them. And really what it came down to, Pinky, was that we were really discounting the impact that our modern life was or lifestyle and exposure to certain things in our modern um, living, the impact that that was having on our hormones as women. And so we were seeing all sorts of symptoms, you know, whether it was fertility challenges or ovulation pain or PMS symptoms, or and and they were due to discrepancies or imbalances with our hormones. And so we started treating it and, and yeah, that's really what led down the fertility path. I never, ever thought I would have landed in that area. And then in, in the broader sense, as time's gone on now, our last book or my last book, I should say, um, that I wrote was targeted at young women, uh, not necessarily around fertility, but I definitely recognize that if we fix it before it's broken, we've got a much better chance of our fertility being supported and really helping women to understand that symptoms that show up in our teen and early 20s really are clues and if we can utilize those then we're not going to have those fertility challenges down the line you know what i gave that book i had a book and i passed it on because i went i was like oh, i need to look at nat's book and then i went ah oh, i'm giving it away to a young woman well, so I'll tell you something. it's doing more use than for me <laughs> well i spoke to my publisher last week because we're talking about a new book and um she said well there's actually only a really small amount of copies left. We're looking at reprinting and whatever. So if mm. if you need it, you need to get it now because uh, right. <laughs> there's not many copies left. <laughs> but hopefully, I mean, that's exciting to me that that yes. there is you know so many copies circulating and 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 many women read beautiful you and it, it, I wrote it for the 14 year old me. I was very curious when I was 14. I used to look at pamphlets and pictures that my mum had given me, and I was so fascinated by a female anatomy. And it was so mystical what was going to happen when I got my period and what that would look like. And it's really funny now that I look back, I can see that. But at the time, I, I was not like, oh, one day I'm going to be, you know, in this area of health. Um, but the book, coming back to that, women say to me all the time, why did you market this for 14-year-olds? I learned so much reading it as a 44-year-old. And I'm like, well, we never stop learning. And we also need that information to support loved ones and people that we care about so that for women that we get to have as much information as possible so we make good choices in the future. And I think that's where a lot of women feel that they've been cut short when it comes to their fertility is that the reason that they're having fertility challenges wasn't addressed when they first had symptoms. It was addressed when they were ready to have babies. Yes, yeah, and we're all fed, you know, just whatever the story is, aren't we? We're, you know, and you go to the doctor and you have a problem kind of thing. Well, you know, yes. Prevention is really not, um, you know, it's not, it's not kind of sexy, is it? It's so not sexy at all. It's easier to just pretend it doesn't exist and kind of push it away until, and that's often the advice women are given. It's, well, you might have trouble having children, just come back and talk to me. And yes, that to me is yeah. such a disservice to women. It's like, no, let's fix it. If you've got time on your side and there's no pressure, because fertility, at the moment that we decide that we want to have a baby, the pressure's on, right? We put pressure on ourselves. Yep. Everybody else has got something to say about it. 
your time's ticking, like all of these ideas that people have, we take on at that point in time. If we took the time to actually look at what's going on prior to that, then I would argue that fertility, the fertility journey for a lot of people would be far less stressful. Mm, Yeah, yeah. So how do, um, you know, the hormones impact our overall wellness? Because I know from reading your um, books that it's not just about fertility. I mean, fertility is so much wider than, you know, that so, so, you know, how do the hormones, and what are some of the signs that they might be out of balance? Yeah, I mean, fertility is not about babies. Fertility is about your reproductive system working. How do we know it's working? Mm. Getting a regular period every every month or so. Um, you generally feel pretty good. You might have a couple of days that just before the period arrives, you feel a bit low, and that's due to your hormones changing. But generally, um, you know, a healthy menstrual cycle is is a sign of of fertility. Um, when it comes to our hormones, I mean, our hormones dictate everything, whether it's it's, you know, our cycle or it's our mood or it could even be other discrepancies that we're experiencing, we can generally look at the hormones at play and figure out what's going on. I think the main two groups that we want to be most uh, focused on are our sex hormones and our stress hormones because they're very proportionate to each other. So our stress hormones, our adrenaline and our cortisol um, and our sex hormones, our main sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, there's a bunch of others. But and specifically, estrogen and progesterone are very much impacted by our cortisol levels. And for this is what, going back to that first scenario that I spoke about, this is where so many women were experiencing issues that were a direct result of their environment and lifestyle. And we've, we've very much been told as women, we can have our cake and eat it too. And yeah, we can, but something gives. And usually it's our fertility. Um, and again, as a result of climbing stress levels, Uh, because we put so much pressure on ourselves to do all the things all at once. So, you know, when we can have this understanding that our stress hormones definitely impact our sex hormones, then we can at least be aware and we can at least do things to be more conscious of how we can reduce our stress hormones to allow our sex hormones to operate as they should. Um, Typically, stress drives estrogen crazy um, and too much estrogen lands with a host of issues, heavy bleeding, or heavy periods, delayed ovulation, PMS symptoms, but that can also be a result of lower progesterone. So, you know, low progesterone, we need that for bone health and sleep and, and um, for it's a natural diuretic. Like if we don't have enough of it, we feel pretty horrible. So looking at the proportions of all of these, you can understand the symptoms are so wide and varied uh, because, you know, there's there's so much at play. But I think most women can identify with things like PMS, headaches before the period, period pain, ovulation pain, acne, um, missing periods, even, you know, anything, any period problem is generally a result on some level of your hormones. We do need to look at this. I think women are very good at blaming it on their hormones. Like we're very good at saying, I'm so hormonal, but we don't even really know what that means. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you have a bad mood or you feel tired or you feel stressed. So it's like the seesaw, you know, you're Blame your hormones because you're stressed. But if you worked out your stress, your hormones would sort of settle a bit. Absolutely. And I mean, there's many reasons why hormones can be imbalanced, not just stress, but that's Mm. the main one that I would see. Um, And it's definitely where we start with a lot of our patients because we, we're, we're working full-time. Often we're running a household. We're looking after our, a lot of us are now at a point where we're helping to support our parents. Like, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, 
and everything in your life has led to this point. It's not that you can't do it, but it's about having some awareness about how it's actually affecting you and things that you can do to scaffold around that so it doesn't have to impact your fertility and you don't then have to feel, because that's another stress again, deciding to have a baby and then being faced with fertility challenges, that's a huge stress. And so it's really hard to, you know, separate that out. Um, So how do we remove that? And I think it starts with this awareness and understanding that everything is proportionate and we really need to be able to compartmentalize and and, um, assess where our stress levels are at to allow our hormones to thrive. So what can people do as toxins too, you mentioned Mm. before, what what can we do? Overall? Toxins are gnarly because they they mimic estrogen. So I would say 90% of women have too much estrogen in their body. It's the most common thing that I would treat in the clinic. Um, one reason is stress, like I said, elevates estrogen, but but chemicals in our body products, our cleaning products, our toothpaste, our, our washing detergent, they also, many of the conventional, most of the conventional, if not all, um, contain chemicals that mimic estrogen. So your body doesn't know the difference between your own estrogen and these chemical um, components that actually just look like estrogen to your body. So your body goes and adds it to the estrogen pile when you are exposed to that. And, and remembering your skin is a slipstream into your endocrine system. Like it just goes straight in and 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 really um, can upset the, the balance there. So Chemicals is a big one. Uh, a lot of women that I see, they'll be heating in plastic containers, drinking out of plastic bottles, eating canned food. Tin tuna is a huge one. A lot of women will say, oh, I love my tuna and salad. It's so easy to take it to work. I'm like, yeah, well, we're going to wow. switch to the tuna in a glass jar, not not the tuna that's lined with plastic. Um, just little things make a really big difference when it comes to estrogen. So, you know, there's external drivers. There's also food, soy, alcohol. It's not that you can't have them, but it's overconsumption and we're definitely having far more soy than ever and a lot of women are drinking more than their body can actually process so there's all these external factors that we I feel we can actually do something about when it comes to estrogen but the internal mechanism when it comes to hormones and especially estrogen we need to make sure our gut's working properly we need to make sure our liver is detoxifying and clearing excess hormones adequately and we do this through the bowel so we need to make sure that we're moving our bowels daily and effectively and if we can look at those external factors and the internal factors when it comes to that most common hormone imbalance being excess estrogen or estrogen dominance we can make some pretty big inroads just by doing some pretty small things changing a few of those external factors making sure we're moving our bowels daily just by increasing fiber is a great thing that you can do Um, and it's it's just simple things it's not something that necessarily requires medication it's something that actually requires you to show up daily and just do things a little bit differently to with your hormones in mind so just those tweaks yeah because what about period problems I remember having you know really heavy periods as a as a really young woman and Mm. the answer was go on the pill darling and you know talk about that I want to talk about that because I tell you something I mean one of the most common things I see 
is young women around 16, we go through a phase that really mimics PCOS. It's not true PCOS, but we can fill out a little bit. We get our hips, we get our bum. Our cycles can be a little bit um, sporadic or a little bit irregular throughout that time. But also the other thing that's happening around that time is we're often in our higher years of high school. So stress becomes a big factor as well. And a lot of girls will report their periods go missing or their periods become quite problematic, at which point what do we do as mothers? We go off to the GP. The GP says to us, oh, there's an easy solution. Let's prescribe the pill. And here we are. You know, often mm. women 10, 15 years later have been on the pill because the doctor said so when they were 16. Now, first and foremost, your body's telling you something, you know, with those symptoms and they are treatable. Secondly, unfortunately, the nature of the pill is that it, it flatlines your hormones and, and our sex hormones mature around the age of 21. So the problem here is that if you start utilizing the pill at 16, it stops that maturation of your sex hormones. And if you're on the pill, let's say you're on the pill for 10 years. So at 26, you decide to come off. Your hormones are sexually mature as your 16-year-old self. So for a lot of women, their symptoms come back tenfold because they haven't actually had the opportunity for their sex hormones to mature. And this is a big issue when it comes to fertility because often we come off the pill because we're ready to have a baby only to find not only are my symptoms there, but they're actually worse than they were before because the underlying cause was never addressed. The research indicates that the later we use birth control, the less problematic it is for our hormones. So, And this, this is why, because we want that access to be well-established between our brain and our reproductive organs. And if we're stopping that with the pill, then it doesn't get the ability to do that. So it's just having this information. It's not that you might choose that the pill is the best option for you at the time for whatever reason. And often I will say to women, it's great to give you a little bit of space for you to recollect yourself, for us to get in and start to treat the imbalance whilst you're utilizing it. But really, we don't want to be on a medication long term if we don't need to. And it's one thing to use it for contraception, and that's a different conversation, but it's another thing to use it to address something that it doesn't actually fix. It's it's really a, quite um, problematic for women down the line. And Pinky, the amount of women that I see that say to me, I just wish I knew this when I was younger. It's heartbreaking. Mm. So we have to have these conversations. I think mothers, it's really important for us to know this so that we can see if we can actually sort the imbalances out. And the other thing too, is that if you have a known condition, you know, we need to look down the family line. Chances are, if you have um, some type of, of problem, whether it's thyroid or endometriosis or whatever that might be, there's a good chance that your daughter will have the same if we don't do something different. So she's got the predisposition to develop that. It doesn't mean she has to go on to develop that. If we know this information, we can do things and all like scaffold around it to prevent that from happening. But this information isn't necessarily out there. And so therefore we make choices in the heat of the moment that actually have lifelong implications. The pill, it does rob vitamins and minerals from our body we know that it does upset the gut and the microbiome we know that so you know i look forward to the day where your health provider might prescribe you the pill but also say hey this you know does have side effects and consequences and so how about we get you on a quality multivitamin a good fish oil a probiotic and see if we can just support your body all the while and that's a different that's a very different approach and something that i don't see happening oh so much better yeah because then again i got to perimenopause you oh know, yeah, uh, and oh, you can fix that. You know, again, the heavy periods came back. I mean, in the meantime, I'd had lots of babies 
you know, five kids and breastfed for about 20 years <laughs> off and on. And, you know, you sort of think, well, yeah, I didn't have periods for a lot of that time. time. But mm. then perimenopause, they came back super heavy. And the answer again was the pill. And I said, well, that's not an option for me because I'd had a deep vein thrombosis at mm-hmm. 21 from the pill, which is wow. life-threatening. And so, so, you know, not uncommon, not uncommon. And we don't, you know, the amount of women that I see that are on birth control against the contraindications, migraines, another one, if you are a migraine sufferer, you should not, it's contraindicated to use um, the pill as a, as, as a birth control or anything. Um, and same with your experiences. I've spoken to lots of people that have had, um, you know, problems with that or have um, a history that doesn't allow them to, to utilize birth control. So, I mean, again, perimenopause is, um, it's certainly a very interesting time in our life. It, and this is where I really see this estrogen piece play out. Um, often women have been estrogen dominant their whole life, but it becomes quite problematic during perimenopause. And, you know, what's happening when we're in perimenopause, our ovarian function is starting to decline. That's normal. It's supposed to happen. We start to see this from around 35 years of age. It doesn't mean you're in perimenopause or menopause at 35, but we do see this decline in our ovarian function happen. And what that means is our hormones start to fluctuate in response to what the ovaries are doing. So we have these fluctuations and that's normal. What that looks like is generally in a perfect world, you'd start to see fluctuations with your menstrual cycle. So you know, something between 24 to 36 days is still considered a regular cycle, but it's not 28, 29 days every month. Whereas in your 20s and 30s, it was super regular and you knew when it was coming. In perimenopause, it starts to fluctuate. So that's a normal thing. The other thing that's really normal during perimenopause is we start to see um, symptoms just before the period arrives. So flushes, night sweats, they they typically happen in a window just before the period. When we're in menopause, that can happen at any time. And so that's the difference as well. It's just another phase that we're going through. But I'm seeing so many women with hormone imbalances during perimenopause that show up, especially with things like heavy bleeding. Now, we know estrogen is a big factor when it comes to heavy bleeding because estrogen builds your lining. So more estrogen, more lining, more bleeding. It's it's very obvious that we need to get in and actually help your body clear your estrogen better and it is the most common thing that I see during perimenopause comes with a host of other issues Um, you know you can see symptoms from ovulation right through to the period arriving whether it's mood swings whether it's pain Um, you know a lot of women experience a lot of weight gain at this point in time estrogen is a metabolic hormone so feeds your fat cells fat cells make more estrogen it's this vicious cycle and we can really feel like you know it's it's a lot of women will just think this is my life now. This is this is it. Um, it's a really interesting phase of our lives. So if we can look at our hormones and what they're doing, depending on the phase and stage and age that we're at, and we can we and we know where they should be for optimal health, we can lead them closer towards that to feel better. And you can feel better at any age or phase. It's just about understanding what the imbalances look like. Australian-maiden owned Chiara probiotics isolated from breast milk have been helping families for over 10 years. A proud supporter of World Breastfeeding Week 2022, Chiara is formulated to support health during pregnancy and breastfeeding while reducing symptoms and occurrence of mild mastitis 
take Kiara pregnancy and breastfeeding from preconception, your last trimester, or throughout your entire pregnancy and breastfeeding. Right now, you can get 15% off all of their range. Simply go to kiara.com.au, that's q-i-a-r-a.com.au, and use the discount code TITSUP when you check out. So how can women address these, you know, these hormonal things? I mean, obviously it's very individual, but what are, what are a few tips for women? Yeah, so I'd say a lot of our listeners are sort of around that 35-year-old, mm-hmm. um, you know, and one of the girls at work yesterday in our office was saying, you know, we were just doing a Zoom and she was saying, I think I must be perimenopause. And she's about 37, 38. And I said, maybe, have you heard of Nat? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's so kind. Thank you. Well, I mean, also a lot of this is appropriate to where I'm at in my life too. I was speaking to somebody the other day and, and, and um, we were talking about menopause and I'm like, well, I'm not there yet. I treat women in the clinic with, with menopause, but I can't, I haven't been through menopause. I can't actually talk to it. And I feel like once I've had that experience, it'll add another layer to my ability to have an awareness and um, different treatment ideas outside of what I'm currently doing perimenopause I'm there and so you know it's been interesting to watch what that looks like and things that we can do um I mean I don't think it's a shock to anybody to say we need to eat well we need to sleep well we need to move our body like it's that's not revolutionary information and I think that we know that although it's good to be reminded that these things do really count um so I think you know looking at our lifestyle and just making sure that we haven't established some bad habits is very important for us as women but I will say that coming back to this stress piece that is the elephant in the room that we often don't address and we 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 are also at this phase of our lives where probably or often on the bottom of the pile when it comes to self-care and looking after ourselves and I can tell you now when I look at the women in my life and the ones that seem to have it all together and can do all the things you know those women that you just look at them and go they just got it all going on aren't they amazing (laughs) they you know what they do what I've noticed they carve out time for themselves they are very strict at doing that. They recognize the minute that the world's about to implode, their world, and they figure out, you know what, mum needs some time out or I need some time out. And they take themselves away and they do what they need to do. And that could be one hour. It could be five hours. It could be a weekend. I don't know, whatever it is for them. But I think that's a missing piece is that we get the scraps and then we're useless to everybody. We feel like rubbish. We can't hold it together. Our hormones are then dictating everything because we're in survival mode at this point. And we're, we're really, it's such a, it's, it's, it's not actually serving anybody or helping anybody at all. So putting ourselves at the top of the pile or the top of the list is not easy, but once we do it and we recognize how good that makes everything, and how happy everyone else is around us I think this is very important and that just plays into that stress piece that I was talking about now perhaps you can't do that um, and I would still encourage you to try and find a pocket of time where you can I think also just being very aware of when you are feeling overwhelmed it's not that you're never going to feel overwhelmed again it's acknowledging huh 
I am feeling like I am being stretched in 15 directions and I'm about to explode. Acknowledging in the moment that you feel that way allows you to make a different decision or realize it warrants that level of stress. So, you know, we can get bad news. Someone's unwell or something is, is very serious that warrants a stress reaction, but running late to pick up the kids, running late to an appointment, not meeting a deadline. Um, you know, we just start to adopt this uh, fight or flight to everything that we do and we don't need to. It's just that we've gotten to this bad habit of doing that and it sends our hormones haywire. So just start to just be aware. Oh, look, Nat, you're back there again. And and just that's all you've got to do. You've just got to actually go, oh, I'm back there again. Do I need to worry about this? Yes or no? Yes, I do. No, I don't. And then you can actually decide in that moment whether or not you need to release that precious cortisol or not. Chances are you probably don't. So I want women to really become aware of stress, support their gut function, you know, eat foods that are easy to digest, that allow you to um, move your bowels daily and increase fiber as well. Excess hormones will bind to fiber and you'll poop them out. So you're not just having fiber to stay regular. You're actually having fiber as a binder to help these hormones leave your body. And if you were to do just those few things, um, you would probably feel a lot different. Just little simple changes. Of course, there's many things you can do. There's so many things you can do and we can keep on adding to that. But as a starting point, they're really safe places for you to start to get the ball rolling and then become a little bit more curious as to what other symptoms you might have. Are your symptoms cyclic? Do they occur at the same time every month? What other clues is your body giving you um, that you can then explore further what else you might need to do in terms of your hormones? And this will work right through perimenopause, menopause. I actually found menopause really easy. Don't ask me why or how perimenopause is, you know, those heavy periods. And uh, well, yeah. I don't know, just crossing that line um, somewhere before the period that was, you know, you could feel your body tensing up. And, and then I adopted this rule. Will any small children get hurt if this isn't done today is sort of my mantra even now. And I just last night I've got a stinky cold and I, and I just said to my husband in the afternoon, I do not care what you eat tonight, but I am not responsible. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. But it's so true. It really is. And, and I love that you had an easy transition through menopause. So you should. But it's funny because women resist this as well, especially when it comes to fertility. Now, I just want to put on the record, just because you're in perimenopause does not mean you're infertile. It does not mean you can't have children by any means. Firstly, if that was the case, women wouldn't be offered the pill in their 30s and 40s because we are offered it as a contraception as well. So you can absolutely, absolutely fall pregnant. Um, in fact, I think we have a great chance because we have far more body awareness. We understand ourselves so much better. And um, we've had, a, you know, almost a lifetime to that point of periods that we get to look at and understand when, you know, cycles, I should say, menstrual cycles. So it doesn't, it's not a cutoff point, but I think what we do in our thirties and forties really sets us up for beyond that. And you've obviously done things at that point in time that allowed you to then transition nicely into to menopause. Again, women freak out when I talk about perimenopause and menopause, they, they, they I sit there and I'm like, do you really want your period for the rest of your life? I don't think so. Like you get to have no, that. No, it's <laughs> so good once you're through because 
no moon swings. It's fabulous. I've never been so calm in my life as when I, and really when it happened, I actually had a nephew who was killed in an awful accident and I never got a period after that. And I thought it was just shock. And then a few months later, you know, probably six months or so, I thought, I wonder if this is it. And I went to the GP, she did a hormone test and said, yep, you're through. And I went, I probably had, you know, less than a handful of hot flushes. So I glitched. Yeah. And I had, you know, started to miss a period off mm. occasionally and then it would come back. But, you know, it was just so gradual, so easy, so simple that I thought, you know, we have a lot of fear. Yeah, we so really many do. older women talk about menopause being terrible, mm. that there's a lot of fear and anxiety around it. Oh, there really is. And I think, again, we've adopted somebody else's experience as being what we're going to have as our own experience or, we've, you know, someone else's opinion as fact. Mm. Um, mm. I was thinking, I can't remember what I was thinking about. This is something today. I was like, oh gosh, I don't like doing that. And then I sort of stopped and thought about it. I was like, do I actually don't mind doing that? It's just someone else's idea of whatever it was. I can't remember now, but mm. we do this. We take on other people's opinions as our own facts and it's not, it's your own story to write. So, you know, how do we make that as good as possible? It doesn't have to be awful. It can be actually something that's, it's just a transition. We've started treating it as an illness, but you know, again, with with perimenopause, especially I had a patient come to me not too long ago and she sat down and she was all frustrated. And she said, well, I've been diagnosed with perimenopause. And I said, that's not a diagnosis. It's like saying I've been diagnosed with puberty, like imbalance in that time that shows up as symptoms, but it's not a condition perimenopause, menopause, it's not a condition. It's just a phase. What I'm noticing, Pinky, is a lot of women are taking a long time to transition through perimenopause into menopause. And that's again, because of this stress piece, because your adrenals take on the job of your ovaries when you go through menopause. But can you understand if your adrenal function is really overextended because we are so stressed out, each day the ovaries arrive knocking on the door of the adrenals and like, is today the day that I can give my job to you? And your adrenals are like, not today. I'm like totally overworked over here. So this is why we have to be able to manage this piece of the puzzle so that we can have just general balance and our bodies can transition through these phases easily and effectively without it being problematic. But the longer Um, women are taking, you know, if I can get in there and I can reduce their stress levels and I do that in various ways, their transition is much better. Right. But you're right that I've been diagnosed. That's exactly what happened. You know, I mean, it's quite a few years ago now, but, you know, I went to the GP and it was a female GP who said, yeah, just as though it was a diagnosis. You have perimenopause. Mm. There were no solutions, no anything. So Mm. I went and saw a naturopath and, you know, I was using the wild jam cream. It was, you know, there were other things I was doing, but it wasn't, it still wasn't everything. I mean, I think things are much better now in mm. awareness, but even then to hear that a woman just in the past couple of weeks has said she hasn't been diagnosed with perimenopause, it's just right. frightening, isn't it? That It, it really is. It makes, it makes you think there's nothing I can do. I know, exactly. And there's so much. It's, it's, it's not even about, it's not about, it's not about treatment as such. It's just about shifting things to be in more proportionate to each other, really. I guess you can call that a treatment at the end of the day. That's how we see it. But it's really about how can I allow my hormones to operate in the way that they're supposed to. And like I said, they're all proportionate to each other. So something's got to shift. And you can, I can give you all the supplements on the planet. If we don't address what's going on outside of my office in your life, 
nothing will change or it'll change momentarily, but then it'll just come back with a vengeance because the reason that it's happening hasn't been addressed. Mm, yeah, yeah. So you can't have a magic pill. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love that. But you know, at the same time, magnesium can be pretty magical for almost everything. And again, when it comes to managing a lot of these symptoms. If you're having a quality magnesium as a supplement, generally it's very safe for most people to take magnesium. We can buy it over the counter. That's how safe it is. Yeah. Um, then that can be a game changer. And it's, you know, when I get women onto a, a point where they're on maintenance, it'll often be magnesium is what you need for maintenance. So don't underestimate that because it's such a circuit breaker when it comes to stress and we don't get enough through our food anymore. Our soils have been sterilized. And unfortunately that means that we miss out nutritionally. So this is why we need to supplement um, something like magnesium. I'm all for food being a primary source of nourishment. I'm not one to prescribe mm. a lot of supplements, but unfortunately, um, yeah, our modern lifestyle again is impacting that. So thankfully also we can draw on the wisdom of modern medicine and we can use things like this to help to maintain and support our hormones as well. Yeah. Now, just for something fun, <laughs> this lovely little story about, you know, for every one of us, our life as an egg begins in our grandmother's womb. Can you just explain that? Because I'm always blown away. Every time I hear that, I just go, wow. I, I made this the theme for Mother's Day this year and it just was I was inundated people were like what do you mean and I'm like well when your grandmother was pregnant with your mother you were in her ovaries so actually your your first part of you know you as a tiny 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 speck of life started in your grandmother's womb and so again this generational wellness it just gives a whole different perspective to generational wellness doesn't it because mm. we want to be the best version of ourselves for our grandchildren. How I mean, Pinky, is that not motivating? I don't have grandchildren yet, but to me. I do, and it's amazing. That's yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, don't be heartbroken. I had a lot of people say, oh, well, I don't even know my grandma or um, my grandmother was this or that or the other. It's like, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now we know. Yeah. And we carry that wisdom down for our grandchildren. But. It's just fascinating to think about the fact that your health actually started with your grandma um, and and really it, it, it just reinforces the fact that we always need to be living, you know, not just for ourselves but for generations to come. So, yeah, you started in your grandmother's, um, your, your mum, in your mum, in your grandmother's womb when she was pregnant with her and here we are. Mm. No, that just blows me away all the time. And I just go, how awesome is that? Hey, yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. Now, before we <laughs> sign off, can you mm -hmm. tell us about, you know, thank you for today. Thanks for sharing so many, um, you know, great tips and knowledge and wisdom for you and your wonderful work supporting women's health. Can you tell us um, where listeners can find you and follow you? Of course. We'll pop those links in the show notes Easy. too. Yeah, well, I'm Nat Kringudis on Instagram. I share a lot of information on Instagram because, well, it's the place to be. I love interacting there. I love talking with you there. I love answering your questions. Um, and then my website, natkringudis.com, is also um, where you pretty much should be able to search anything and find answers for because it's years and years and years of, of 
stuff. <laughs> um, but if you're sitting here listening and you're like, oh, do I have a hormone imbalance? I'm not sure. Head over to natcreamgoodis.com. When you get there, there'll be a hormone worksheet that you can quickly, like quickly, it takes two seconds to kind of profile your symptoms and it'll help you to understand what your own hormone imbalance might be. And it's not designed as a diagnosis, but it will definitely prompt you as to where you can start to look into your hormone health to feel better as well. Right. And now something I ask all of our guests, do you have a tits up mum moment you can share? I always think it's good that, you know, people look up to people like you and, you know, all the guests that we have on and just to know that they stuff up too. Oh my it's kind gosh. of cool. It can All be the funny, time. it can be bad, it can be embarrassing. I mean, we, we, are, we, are, we are messing up all the time, right? Like we have these yeah. moments and we're just like, oh, I'll drop the ball there. I have a lot of people say to me actually, oh, my goodness, you know, how do you do everything? Like how do you do it all? And I'm like, I sure as hell don't do it all. I, I stuff up all the time. Um, but I do have an amazing team around me and network of people. But I'll never forget this one time we were at Melbourne Airport or getting ready to board a plane to Hawaii. And uh, I was pretty flustered. Geordie had taken off through security. You know how you kind of can't go past a certain point until they let you through? Well, he was off and he'd gone. And I'm like, great, the two-year-old's on the other side. And I'm, but anyway, <laughs> so, so I'm losing it, like losing it. And, and he comes back and I'm getting angry at him. And then I'm getting, and I'll get down and I'm angry at Livy. And my mum was standing behind me, but she said, <laughs> she said to me, somebody came up to say hello to you and you just launched out at Olivia and and this person just kind of went oh I just walked off (laughs) I'm like oh well we're all human we all get angry and frustrated and I I definitely it was pretty funny I was like well whoever that person is I will never know but I'm sure that they got a show that day as I gave my children a spray at the airport <laughs> yeah, and I'm still waiting for someone to ring me back. Years ago, one of my kids was a toddler, and I was in the toilet, and I'd said to him, "You know, Mummy just wants to do a poo and pee." He picked up the phone as it rang, and he said, "My mum just wants to do a poo and peace and quiet," and he, and he slammed the phone down. So if you're oh, that, that is- if you're that person. <laughs> Right. Oh my gosh. Well, see, there you go. We're all human. It's, it's, uh, it's just, you know, we can have, we can have sympathy for others, can't we? Because we've been yes, there. We've yes. been there. We've yes. done it. We've stuffed up. So funny. Yes. Up. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. So finally, what's your best tip for um, mums on how to be the mother you want to be? Oh, I think I gave it away before. You need to carve out time for yourself. You absolutely need to do this. I think we can feel very guilty for doing this. We can think that we're others, you know, we can feel very judged. It can feel very indulgent. Um, It needs to be a necessity for us as mums and, and, you know, with so many balls in the air, what can I do? I've adopted after the last couple of years, this year is my year to have fun. And what can I do in any moment that I'm feeling stuck or I'm overwhelmed or I'm just like, oh, it's winter, especially it's like, meh. It's like, okay, what can I do right now to have fun? Or what can I plan that I know is going to be fun to look, have something to look forward to. And I think creating these little, and fun might not be your thing. I don't know what your thing is, but for me, I like to have fun. So I think just creating these, um, these opportunities to have more fun or to do something that you love to do don't feel like that's indulgent. It's necessary for you to be um, more relaxed, 
happier, feel better, your hormones be more balanced. And in doing that, you'll actually be able to provide everybody with so much more than you ever knew possible, all the while keeping your sanity intact. I love that. Yeah. Great. And it has been so hard the last couple of years to plan anything because the best laid plans have just gone buff in the air. True. So true. It's it's been so tricky. Yeah. So I think that's great. And fun can be quite simple and Oh, yeah. Fun can be no. like, hey, what are you doing for lunch on Friday? Just let's just lock it in, you know? Yeah. You can do, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be at the cafe that makes a sandwich, you know? It doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's that to me, just having things to look forward to and creating moments for me to have fun and just feel good. Um, I need to create those moments. Most of the time, someone else isn't doing that for me. So, recognizing that, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be mm. so much happier for that and you'll be able to give everybody so much more. Yep, love it. Awesome. Fabulous. Right, well, that's it. Now, thanks so much, Nat. Thank you just... for having me. Tits up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs and to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymckay.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.